Beedy boop, beedy boom. Is that, is that from the Chinese song? Such a little bit of Betty Boop mixed with whatever was in my brain. Poop doop doop. -doo -doo. All that, yeah. Are we on? We are on. Oh, we on. Talking about poop. Okay. Poopy poop. Mr. Worldwide. Welcome back to Global Brothers Podcast. This is a very interesting time because it's our first double feature. Double feature, act two. Our first act double two. feature. <laughs> We're still here at Ross Beach Fives, act number two, and we have the lovely Makeba in the building. She goes yes. by one name because one name is all that's needed for such a talented queen. Yes. Well, thank you so, for that intro. <laughs> number one, what a beautiful name. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Can, can, you, can, you can you kind of tell us? Yeah, like, let's, let's talk about the name because it's been a thing my whole life. But um, Okay, so my name is Makeba, the proper pronunciation. I was named after Mayor Makeba, who's like an activist and um, a South African singer. Look her up because she's powerful. Legendary. Legendary, right? Yeah. But my parents are Jamaican, so it's Makeba is how they pronounce it. So my nickname is Keem. And so people sometimes are like, huh, Makeba to Keeba, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, it's because my parents, Jamaican people pronounce things how they want to. Yeah. Essentially. So, this is true. This is true. true. Yeah. I've heard so, that. yeah, so it's Makeba and Makeba. Like, those yeah. are the two. Yeah. I grew up with names. a Makeba. Yeah. And I bet any money, it's probably the same similar. It's the same kind know. of situation, yeah. probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's probably named after Makeba. Mary yeah. Makeba. She was gorgeous, too. Makeba. Shout out to Makeba. Makeba back in, in the building. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, what are you doing name? right now, Makeba? <laughs> <laughs> When what's Chill, that's that Makiba from back home. Um, um, uh, Talib Kweli, he had black for black girls, and he's like, this is for Makiba. I said, oh my god, uh -huh. oh my god. You got oh a shout god. out? It was my first time in my life. She got a black girl name, she lived in black girl pain. This is for Makiba, and for my mama Sita. It's really good, ma. I'll be your promise keeper. Because growing up with a name like that, you don't get that. Like, right. never, ever. You go to the grocery store just hoping and waiting that someone is going to have your name on that little magnet or the little keychains or a little shot, like something. And it never right. happens. Yeah. You just get M. You get M. That's it. M. And when I was younger, um, I was in French immersion and like my parents, like, like there was never, I was the only black kid in my class. And every time we have a new student, I'd be like, please let her name be Makiba. Please let her name be Makiba. But she's like Asian. She's right. white. Like it didn't. It didn't click to me even that this Nobody's Asian girl will never name. have your name, yeah. or she's gonna be another Sarah, Sarah Q, Sarah A, Sarah D. Like, yeah. but that's, it's just funny and how where like. Where did you grow up? In Toronto, Canada. In Toronto. Yeah. And in Toronto, you were the only black child in your class. In my class, yeah. When I go. From from. So from my, I think when I when I first started school, I started school that way. Then when I got to like second grade, there was another black girl named Ashley, and she we were best friends, <laughs> right? Of Obviously. Um, but yeah, that was my entry into school was like, I'm the only black kid. I'll bet any money you love your name now and you, you're glad it that now. it's unique. Let me tell right? you, I love my name now, but yeah. I definitely didn't growing mm -hmm. up. It was, it was different. People called it a dog name. They said every, like all the different things you could really? think of. Yeah. No one could ever <laughs> pronounce it. They could never spell it. Uh, teachers, supply teachers, everything. It I'm sure kind of they mess. screwed that name up. Huh? huh? I'm sure they messed your name up in spelling and everything, right? <laughs> Everything, everything. Wait a yeah. second, Canadians are mean? Yes. I get it that we're polite. Canadians were the most polite people. We're polite. Compared to, compared to Americans. Yeah, That's the problem, right? Yeah. No, Canadians are, are nice. They are polite people, but they also hide their 
rudeness in other things. Right? Yeah. Our racism isn't get out of here, you nigger. Like it's not right. like that. It's like right. you don't. You're just not the right fit. Covert. Right now, and yeah. you're like, huh? Like they they really slide it in there. It's a really just on the low, right. but it's happening. It's structural. Yeah. It's implemented in their systems. Right. Yeah. And of course, they're thinking, they're psyche. Oh, 100%. 100%. So. I have an uncle in Mississauga. Mississauga. That's where. That's my hood. Mississauga. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Saga. Yeah. 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 Enough, y'all people today, you know. Come on, of course. Man. <laughs> Are you Jamaican? I did not know that. Aw, <laughs> oh, so excited. Yo, shout out Uncle Eddie. <laughs> Big G. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We, we drove from um, Long Island mm -hmm. to, to Mississauga. Yeah, yeah. New York was a drive. Like, that's Niagara, the thing. We do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, we're just kidding. We hate it. What's that drive? What's the length? Uh, nine. I think New York is nine. It's about nine. nine. As a child, it felt like forever. Yeah. Know, As a kid, nine hours feels like eternity. Yeah, because I'm from Pittsburgh and we're only four hours, so okay. a lot of us drive to Toronto yeah. all the time. Felt like yeah. forever. Right. That's why I hate Drake. Come on, <laughs> come on. He's a Drake hater, and I and why? I used to be. I used to be. for it. No, no, no. I've submitted. Drake is the man. Who is Canadian? Drake. Really? Yes. No, the Rock. Party Next Door. The Rock is Canadian. Uh, there's Nova Scotia. Celine Dion, Tamia. There's people who are Jim me, Carrey. Jim, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, Steve Nash. Uh, what's his name? Um, Rachel McAdam. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And so is um, what's the other guy from The Notebook again? The Notebook. The Notebook. Oh, you don't know The Notebook, the movie? I got an iPhone. What does that mean? The Joking. Joking. <laughs> Chantel Riley's from. There you go, my buddy. Chantel Riley. She's Canadian. There's Shout a out ton to Chantel. There you go. Chantel. There's a ton of Canadians. But um, day one homie Chantel. Yeah. My day one for real. That's my best friend. <laughs> this is super cute because it actually is. Yeah, no, it actually is. Right. <laughs> so the question is, when you go back to Jamaica, yeah. Okay, when you visit, how does that make you feel? Visiting. Um, number one, like the second I get off the plane, yeah. the smell in the air, ooh, you just are like, oh, like it's relief. I don't You've even heard know. this before. Oh, really? <laughs> Shout out to Lane Redman. Did we hear this before? How do you feel when you go to, you know, when you went to Barbados? How did you? Ah, it's an amazing feeling, man. It's just, it's just, I think automatically it's the smell. I don't know, man. It's just, you just smell. I, I, I don't know. Just it's that familiar smell. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That struck me right away when you said that. Yeah. I get the same thing with Jamaica. Okay. There's a scent in the air, and the yeah. other day I went to Zanzibar and had the same smell. Oh really? It's the smell. You can't even like you miss Jamaica. You miss the smell. Like there's a vibe, like instantly, and and I'm really sensitive to like energies and like spaces and like that country. It's like. It's special, man. I don't care if I'm biased or not. It's special. It really is. Does it bring back memories? A, a, I mean, for me, it's a 100% vibe. But like, I wasn't born there. I was born in Canada. Mm -hmm. So even for, for me to feel those things, you still feel it. It's like you can't, like genetics, whatever things running through you, like you can't even run from that. Yeah. And so it's like that. It, it, there's memories in the sense of like familiarity and understanding where and how and why and like oh y'all are just not the same but the same you know what I mean like my parents my experience growing up with my parents is so parallel to so many other people right we right? recently had this discussion and 
once again, shout out to Lane Redman. You went to Tanzania, Kenya, Zanzibar, and had the same feeling about Jamaica. It's not unique to just place that you have been told things about. Right. You can you can also be somewhere for the first for the first time again. So I 125% agree with that because that's how I felt in West Africa. So I went to Zanzibar, Tanzania. I was there for like six weeks. I went to Joburg. And I loved it. I was like, this is amazing, this is great. It was cool. Six weeks I was there. Um, but I did get this feeling of otherness happening that I wasn't expecting. Because I'm like, I'm going home, I'm going to Africa for the first time, right. like, yes. Excited. And then I got there and I was like, oh, I'm kind of the other here. I'm experiencing this otherness. And I also, I think, I found myself comparing it to Jamaica a lot and there was a lot of things that weren't similar or a lot of things that I was expecting to be a bit more similar obviously there were similarities right but I it was really a feeling of not fully kind of connecting connecting but yeah. feeling apart but not the same so then now when I went to West Africa oh my gosh it hit you goosebumps tears like Ghana Nigeria we did both of them like a week in both and it was just like that whole trip changed my entire the trajectory of my entire life since then like it's not like in every aspect and like I think um, people ask me like oh do DNA test see where you're from right yeah. I'm kind of funny with that because I'm like a conspiracy theorist so at the end of the day I'm like I don't need to give them any more of my DNA than they already have <laughs> so keep going, keep going, keep going. and at the end of the day you're just gonna tell me I'm from somewhere that was a part of the slave trade I will never know what tribe I'm from so you're going to tell me I'm from Nigeria. You're going to tell me I'm from Ghana. You're going to tell me I'm from Congo. But when I get there, then what? I don't know if I'm Yoruba. I don't know if I'm Igbo. I don't know if I'm a Minion. I, have no, I don't know. So it's like, why don't I just go with what's resonating with me? So it's like, when I, like I said, I was in South Africa. I was in Tanzania. I was in there for six weeks. I never felt what I felt like I felt when I was in Niger and when I was in Ghana. That was a different level. Like I was like, whoa, what is this? And so for me, it's like, I think it's important to know where you come from. But yeah. at this stage, when we're a part of the diaspora, like the African diaspora and the slave trade and stuff, like we kind of almost have to just like try to reconnect, but also keep it moving, like and not get stuck on this like we don't know where we come from, like specifics, and like trying to sometimes figure that out. Because even like for Chantal, she did the 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 test, and it was like you're 26 percent Nigerian, and then months later it changed to Congolese. So it's like. What are they doing with this information? It's wow. being updated, right? It's in the system. So I think for a lot of people it's cool and you can see this thing, but when it changes, so you go from being Nigerian to Congolese, those cultures are very different. Yeah. Right? Like how do you, where do you... It's trendy to say that, oh, you have an ancestry. It's, that's it. And I know where I'm from, but you're like, what then? Because you're still left not knowing what tribe. You're still left not knowing. Like it's, so for me it's like, do what resonates with you, right? Learn, understand, I still think your history is important. Understand where you come from and start to build new, in a way, new traditions and evolutions of, of how you're gonna live and, and, and practice things, right? I'm gonna send you a clip. Because mm -hmm. I keep shouting out, we've had this conversation before. Yeah. You're verbatim saying some really? of the things that you've said uh, and some of our uh, uh, recent guests have said. It's, it's, it's amazing. And the clip that I'm going to send you is, if you remember, I said 
Now what? After ancestry. Oh, you said the same thing? I said the, I'm you sending it. I'm it to you. I feel like every time I say this, people are like, 100%. what do you mean? 100%. I said now I, what? I just finished, um, like I'm premiering my- you said. You guys have said, basically. That's I'm blown so away. If I find out that I'm from Nigeria, or Ghana, or Ivory Coast, Liberia, you just said it. Now what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now what? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go back there like, yo, I'm home. And yeah. like, now what? I mean, what, I still mean? have to navigate. Yeah. I still have to get a passport yeah. over there. I still have to right. learn my. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Let's just. You gotta learn the language, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. You ready for that? Exactly. <laughs> hey, or give me a swab of your DNA. Oh. That's what I'm saying. That, that's even crazier. What are you doing with that? The ramifications of what exactly? What are you doing with that? Into a database. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Oh, your DNA shows you were there. Well, here's the thing. No, let me go further. How are we gonna make the next Ebola and wipe these niggas out? We got the swab. We got the. We got the. We got their DNA to know which strand to use, so they can. So I just, I just, um, I did this um, short about this experience, like about me going to Africa and you know, the way that I felt empowered. Like I believe, like in creating a call to action, everyone needs to go there. Everyone of the African diaspora needs to go home. We need to touch that soil. We need to feel the experiences there. You'll be in Ghana this December. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is <laughs> so this is what my short is about. It premieres like next next month at this uh, a festival called Buffer Festival. Um, but yeah, like I created this like project. So it kind of it grabs with like kind of what we're talking about right now. Um, uh, yeah, director, my first short film, my first short film at Buffer Festival, October fifth. So um, and that's in Toronto. Activist clearly. Yes, I'm definitely Pan African, one hundred percent. 100 percent i'm definitely a garbiite <laughs> like, wow so <laughs> i want to get back to your uh, short but first i just feel the need to do this now or else it'll be a bit out of place uh -huh. although it probably won't because the whole interview will be about this when i got back from kenya the first time i got that oh okay yeah. that's great, dope. that's really clean like, too i'm like you just felt this like i don't togetherness exactly what you just said it's not about oh well the, what tribe and what this and what that who are you to tell me anything anyway and yeah. at this point, what does it matter anymore? It's hard to, because you're gonna get stuck. You're gonna get stuck. Right, when you listen to what Bob Marley said in the first place, tribal war. If we always think of this tribalist kind of thing, that's yeah. what we're always gonna be. Yeah. But for people like us that know better and that don't have that baggage of tribalism, mm -hmm. why do we want to get into that? Right. We should be t showing our brothers and sisters that look, we've come back for all of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got one love for all of you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I, I definitely think that's important. But I also think what's really, what really I think blew my mind too in um, West Africa, especially like Nigerians, is their limitless mentality. Right, and I think some of that comes from knowing where you where you're from. Yeah. Um, you don't. They don't think about it. You know, like for generations, you kind of have this history, this language, this everything, and like everyone is basically believes that they can do whatever they want. So it's like they go for the money that way. They approach life that way. They'll tell you they can do it, and man, they can. And maybe it doesn't get done, but they don't. Like there's this idea. Whereas us, I find the the trauma from slavery has really put this like this layer on the way we think. It's a ceiling, right? And it's like, we're successful, but in comparison to the white man. Mm -hmm. We're doing this because we overcame it. Like, everything has this 
comparative thing like where you go to Atlanta where you're like oh black excellence and success yeah I've seen that but it didn't hit me the way that Nigerian success did I was learning about people that are like rich 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 like real rich yeah. not the kind of rich where like oh yeah you got a house in the car like nah money's long like yeah. I never heard of these people in my life mm-hmm. right and it's like it's so empowering to be like, oh, you guys, I, I, maybe we're not from the same tribe because it goes back to the togetherness, but like you look like me. Yeah. And it's like, you guys don't have that same, same limitations, even though the reason for my limitations is because of the way I look. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you look like me, you're limitless, you're killing it. But my, the whole reason for a lot of my oppression is just because of the way that I look. You know, it's interesting you say that because I was thinking as you were talking, how much sense it makes the when we say our wealth is our health and our wealth is our state of mind when she talked about that ceiling and us thinking that our success is based on European imperialism or Eurocentric values the word bougie is basically how close we are to white yes 100% you know I told my wife one time I said you realize that bougie when we say bougie is like a latte or Eating hummus kale now or eating kale or yeah. asparagus it's not bougie no it's just what they're doing yeah no 100%. It's, just, it's just eating healthy but well, we call it oh you're bougie because you're eating this or you're eating this way maybe you're eating clean or you're eating you know a plant-based diet yeah. it's not and that's why it's like it's the trap mentality it's the repercussions yeah. of slavery it's the trauma i mean of course you can add the mercedes and the, sure, the designer sure, but we put it on stuff, everything right like we put it on if you mm-hmm. speak if you are too articulate, you bougie. You bougie. Yeah. That's because Massa wanted to keep you a certain way, right? Yeah. So once you start to step out of that, that's the slave mentality speaking. Mm-hmm. That's the, the moments of oppression. When you elevate in life, you changed. You yeah. did this. You becoming that. It's like yeah. we have been we have been programmed to one keep ourselves oppressed and keep each other that way. Because for what, like to me, what colonizers, all this stuff, it's like, let's just do this to them and they'll do it for themselves right now. Right. That's why with the xenophobia in, in South Africa, there's no white people burning in the streets. It's black people burning black people doing yeah, their work. Zimbabwe. They know, they understand the psychology and it's been long lasting and generational. It's like, we don't realize it's generational. So we right. keep thinking like, stop making these excuses. Stop talking about the white man keeping you down. Stop whatever. I 100% believe in going against the oppression that has been created but only way you can actually do that is to understand it first a little bit you need to even understand it's there you can't fix something if you don't even know you're you're traumatized you know you're blowing this guy away right (laughs) me too though keep going because these are conversations they're uncomfortable for some people to have because they're not even in that same hemisphere and i say it's survival mode right i look Mm -hmm. at my parents generation their survival mode. It's now my generation's job to get out of survival mode. We need to focus on healing from trauma and like so that we can actually make the real progress. Yeah. Right? Because we can't work that's why we don't work together. It's the trauma. You tell me to chill. You tell me to chill but I can't stop. Don't. Why? If you think about anybody great, did they chill? Did no. Martin Luther King chill? Not at all. Did Einstein chill? Are we like to say that? people, yeah. when you are when you want to do something great, there's a level of insanity that comes with it yeah. that most people will never understand. So it's like yeah. you can't really chill. All right, we need to talk about your dance or your hair styling. No, no, <laughs> keep going. Wow, man. This, yeah. Yo. <laughs> you know. She's that. Regulators! <laughs> Hold up! Regulators! <laughs> but no, the, there's a lot 
inside of you that I see as far as confidence, um, resiliency. But you got You have to have a certain heightened self-concept and knowledge of the world to be that. You know, which is why people need to travel. Right. One hundred percent. I think people need to travel. People need to travel. You need to travel. You need to travel. Yes. Now, yesterday, like, I literally just posted this this morning, actually. I was like, you know, what, like, majority of what the people have told you about the world is a lie. You need to get out of your house, get it. out of your city, get out of your neighborhood. It. Like, get out of your country because it. it's like, you will never know and understand that, like, what it is that we, especially black people. And that's why the book, the book is so my important. Block in South Central, in New York, in Brooklyn, is life, is the world. I don't own this block. It's not my block. I can't protect it and hold it down. It's, it's not mine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just... It, it's not mine. It's not my spot. Yeah. No. You know what I used to tell people for where I'm from? You know, with eminent domain or they don't even need that. They'll clear out your whole hood and put a Walmart up. Well, not this sure. is the thing. Oh, hold on. This brings a whole other topic now. <laughs> Gentrification. Yes. Which I have... Okay. This is the thing. Gentrification is not bad, right? What's bad is that the colonizers, white people, unfortunately, as we say it, not all white people, I get it, you guys are all the same, but you know what I mean, um, they come back and buy our neighborhoods. We don't go back, right? If we're going back and buying the block, it's okay. We need to gentrificate our own. It's just cleaning up. But we need to clean up because we care. Not, But we leave. We leave. Get the hell up out of here. I ain't going back to that neighborhood. And then what happens? It becomes, it's not only Inglewood, it's like right. Redwood, you know, let's well, let me, this. Let me tell you uh, what somebody told me this summer. Uh, shout out to Keith Reed, um, my moderator, you. my moderator for Going Global this summer uh, in, my, in my hometown. We were talking about gentrification. We went to lunch after the book signing this summer. I think I might have told you this. And I'm pushing back on gentrification a little, even though I know that we can quote-unquote, or for lack of better words, gentrificate our own, Yeah, yeah. right? Because all, all it means is improvements. Yeah, That's yeah. what the word means, Like, right? generally speaking, yeah. Exactly. But he said, and he's a real estate, he's in, he's in real estate, he said, you know, Heath, how many drug dealers and how many college goers did you know growing up? I said, a lot. He goes, how many people, how many renters did you know? I said, well, a lot. He goes, all these years of riding around with the, the shoes and the clothes and the he goes nobody thought to buy this now people are coming in and buying it and we're mad yeah but and i was like you're right no 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 no. you know why i don't think that's fair again i think Yo. it's unfair to look at a group of people who've been specifically targeted brainwashed to not think about buying also put in a place where yeah. home ownership and property like what is that you're literally just trying to pay your rent. So it's like, these people have set these neighborhoods up for this. He was talking right? about the people who could have. For instance, the you mentioned... Dealers? No, no. You mentioned people that left. Yeah, yeah. But they're in survival mode. That's why I'm saying those That's generations true. are trying... To, yeah. When they're seeing people getting shot on the corner, when they don't feel safe for their children to go to school, all they're thinking is, not prime I property. need to survive. This yeah. is not prime property. It's not prime it property. It needs to be a bigger picture thing. Sometimes you need to leave. But the, my point is coming back. Like, you may need, might need to get out, build those businesses somewhere else, invest, but you need to come back, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's, I think, the biggest thing. The funny thing is about leaving, where do people go? White neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, because we're told that white is right. 
if you think about go, what do they want to be what do they want to live like what is, who do they want to be around? they want to be bougie quote unquote what do they want to be around yeah where do they, they feel safe white neighborhoods apparently where do we feel safe when we make it we don't feel safe around our own anymore when right. we make it we feel safe around because other. you feel targeted and you're afraid because you are in a place that has been conditioned it's literally a prison yeah so when you get out of prison of course you're like let me get out or like a reservation like a reservation but this prison man that's like you know what i mean it's the only difference is they're not showing you the bars like they're just not showing you the bars like the outfits everything it's still a prison even the outfits we were just talking about food stamps and like the fact that because in canada we don't have food stamps right the rationing but like why you can only get certain types of food right yes that's that is that is that is Uh, murder uh, what do they call that non-perishable items right? commissary commissary and on your commissary, you can only get certain things on your commissary. So even in that, because I'm when it comes to like the health and stuff, I'm a big advocate on that, and I think that's also a big you issue. Definitely getting healthy food on your commissary. Well, this no. is my point. So even in poor communities, right, you're having people who can't don't have access to healthy food. Right. If they do, you think it's this expensive thing, whatever. When realistically, healthy food should be the cheapest. It's right. vegetables and fruits, and like we should understand that. So you're living on on what processed dinner, processed food. Yeah, do you garbage. know what that does to your mind? Mm-hmm. You are not thinking about buying back the block. No. You're barely thinking about your schoolwork that day because your diet is shit. The sugar yeah. is poison. You're drinking Kool-Aid every day. Yeah. Every sure. day. I remember as a kid, like, opening up the fridge. What do you do? Get a cup yeah. of juice. What is that doing to your mental High health? High fructose corn syrup. On top of the fact that you're literally from the outside being fed all this crap. And then even we're taught to love the Kool-Aid. Love it. Like, Identify oh, with us. it. That's our culture. Right. That's oh, guess what? Eating shit food? That's our culture. Yeah. Like, and, and the American dream is looking like you have money. Looking. Looking. Okay. Looking like you. Did you ever see that me. clip where it oh, talks oh, about... Oh, 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 um, I, I, I got I got I got Kool-Aid. <laughs> This comedian was like, yo, I like the Kool-Aid man, at least he says what he stands for. And not only is he a jug of Kool-Aid, He's he carries <laughs> a jug of Kool-Aid. Wow, yeah. Send me that clip, that's hilarious. Like, I'm Kool-Aid with Kool-Aid. That's marketing. I was like, I didn't know she had a jug of Kool-Aid in his hand. He yeah. does have a jug yeah. of Kool-Aid in his hand. And my name is Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, it is. It is. That's why I say I'm a conspiracy theorist, guys. I don't care what anybody wants to say. No, but you're not a conspiracy theorist. I just think I am. But what I think is, what, what I think the issue is, is the, the connotation attached to that. A conspiracy just believe is that a few people were sitting in a room and made a plan and executed it. Is that not how the world operates? Definitely. Not. Is that not what history has shown us over and over? Was the slave trade an accident? No, it was a conspiracy. Countries conspired, worked together to create something, and that's what a conspiracy is. But people are not, are taught to not think that one. It makes you think different. When you believe that conspiracies are yeah. possible, you start to also look at the world a little bit differently. Yeah. It's harder to control people with that case. They, ma- they made it a negative connotation. A negative thing. It's yeah. not. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I would say that you're peeping game. Peeping game. You're peeping game, <laughs> meaning like you're... S- okay, in Jamaica, we say you're overstand. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, understand until you're overstanding. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, right, I get that. Yeah. We're playing chess, not checkers. Move yeah. ahead. Um... I wanna, I wanna get somebody that, that, that you had mentioned about Black America, yeah. But and how how we're conditioned to say that white is right, mm. and and gentrification. That's where it was. Mm. Yeah. Gentrification in America in Black neighborhoods. Look at what's going on about gentrification in Africa. Mm. What we call the rogue lion syndrome, mm. which is the Asians 
buying up Africa. Well, yeah. that's the Caribbean too. And that's then everywhere. And really. well, yeah. Yeah. And then pretty much, we sit back and complain about it, saying, yes. "Oh, look what China's doing." What are you doing? That's why, again, everyone needs to doing? go back to these spaces and invest. Like, if you have, if you have the ability and the knowledge to do something, do something. But that's the problem. Not enough people do. And I think ability and knowledge doesn't just mean you have a, a, a degree. Ability and knowledge is a level of self-awareness too, right? Yeah. And understand patience. I say patience, number one, because when I talk about the fact that I'm like, yo, like, I'm tired in North America. Like, and I'm tired because, like, white people are draining me. They are draining me. And it's like, when you talk about going to Africa or you talk about Jamaica, everyone who's, like, either that, that generation of there or maybe, like, second generation or whatever, they're like, yeah, I'm like, Jamaica hard, man. I never bad, man. I can't trust nobody. I can't build this. I can't do that. Or they're talking about Africa. It's like, oh, Nigel will kill you. Like, you did drink. Like, everybody has so much to complain about. But my thing is, where do you want to choose? Her, <laughs> I'm just blown like, away. I'm blown away. No, I'm saying pick your battles. And I'm oh, now man. I'm at a point in my life where it's like, I don't really want to waste my energy with white people and dealing with their ignorance anymore why don't i just go and deal with the annoying things in jamaica in in africa because there's a bigger picture so my energy now yes i might be tired at the end of the day but my god it was to build and, and see my people actually get to another level where it's like we're fighting to get a billboard when i'm in north america and i see sis on a billboard i'm like okay girl yeah progress you go to africa that's all it is right ghana was like and i'm like oh my god this isn't trying this is the norm but there are communities that don't have running water I, I think we spent too much time trying to convince white people to take of, us in. It's, it's like of our plight, of our experience, our well, our, our and, value. Yeah, our value, and, and, and trying to get a seat at their table. Always, always. What type of sense does that make? None. Because the ones that get to that table had to give up something, and they're double standards and they're overly scrutinized at their table. Yeah. So they can. They had, I mean, it's like being in the belly of the slave ship. Yeah. What do you, okay. Toronto, Pittsburgh, what do you guys think about buying back our neighborhoods and what North American black people are talking about? Buying that stuff. Yeah. Was it ever yours in the first place? What are you buying I that? think, I, 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 I totally understand that. I think what, this is where I'm kind of like an in-between. So, when I was in Ghana, we were having this conversation. Everyone's like, a lot of people in Ghana are very much like, come home, come home, right? Not just the government, like the actual people believe that. And we had this conversation where, you know, we look up to Martin Luther King, we look up to these leaders, and he says, what, at that time, the impact that he had, why didn't he tell people to come home? He came to Ghana. He met with the president. He's been there. Why didn't he tell everyone to come home at that time, years ago? I think the issue is, one, it goes back to the trauma, right? When you have a community of people who are in that state, who have been beaten down, they can't even identify with being African. So they're going home to what exactly? They don't, like there's not really something set up for them. Yeah. And again, survival mode, don't know how you're paying your rent, don't know how you're paying your mortgage. These communities now kind of have become ours yeah. in a way. So I think it's really hard to just say, as much as I want everyone to like just dip, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So why not, with the stuff that is ours, right? try to improve those things but also still go back to spaces like Africa and build or the Caribbean and build so that people can also have these lines that are happening you know what I mean because yeah. Asians have Asian yeah. communities in, yeah. in, in America 
yes. right? They do, and they have them all over the world. So why vibrant, should we? Vibrant communities. Vibrant communities, yeah. and that's where their power also lies, right? Like they're in like Vancouver, they're in Toronto, they're all over, in all these different cities, in, in strong communities and strong pockets. So I do think. You know why? Do you know why we can't do that? Yet, yet. <laughs> Asians, as a um, as a people, are, they're quiet. They're docile. They'll toe the line. Stay in your books. Do this. Da da da. They just stand. We are us. We're 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 here. Yeah, but the issue we're isn't. We're here. You know it right now. Isn't that and, we're loud? And, and, and they don't want that. The issue isn't that we're loud, right? At the end of the day, like, I mean, I know we were brought here and they thought we were gonna just dead off and not even be here. So now they have all these ghettos and communities and things to do to deal with. But I don't think the issue is that we're loud. The issue is that we don't, we are not healing. And we're not identifying that we have a shit ton of things to deal with. When you go to war and you suffer from post-traumatic stress syndrome, there are programs in place. Where is the I am black post-traumatic stress syndrome programs to say? We're pretending like slavery didn't have huge implications on the way we think and the way we interact. Because throughout slavery, it was about us not working together. If we worked together, they wouldn't have had a chance. Right. Take if the language, read, take the everything. If you read, if you communicate, yes. if you whatever. And like within the Caribbean, it's also different culturally how much more connected we are to Africa because they didn't take the drum. They didn't take that part. Like, you know what I mean? So even that is a form of communication. Whereas in America, that stuff was taken away. And so you look at look at the way Americans feel about Africa and the Caribbean people feel about Africa. My dad gave me an African name on purpose. You know what I mean? So it's like even in that, like you see how every time we're pitted against each other, every time. That's why we can't work together. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're bossy and loud and fun and all that other stuff. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we have ten-year-olds creating GPS systems right. on the bottom of their kids' shoes, right. right? Like we're we're intelligent, creative. we're creative, creative we're yeah. amazing, and like the issue is just that we don't understand how to heal, and healing is not cool in our community. Yeah. Therapy's not cool. Talking about your feelings isn't cool. We are, you know. I love the thing about Brazil. They have this, they have this um, city in Brazil. They actually used to be the capital of Brazil back in the day. Um, and they said this is this is the place in Brazil with the most black people in the whole country, and they practice the same traditions, traditions and drumming and. Uh, celebrations yeah. as they did in Africa. Uh, also, the, the martial arts too. Yeah, Capoeira. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, they interviewed one of the, one of the most famous uh, singers there, and she was breaking it down. And she said, "A lot of our stuff is African, but we have a spin on it that's mm-hmm. uniquely this because yeah. we're so far removed. But we know that everything comes. This from is Africa. the origin. Yeah. In Haiti too. Now, the same. Yeah, if it, yeah, right, right. Yeah. That's also very close. Mm-hmm. In America, for that particular reason, I, I guess it's because Jim Crow laws or what have you, yeah. there's something between slavery and that that has super disconnected with women who want to identify with that. Yeah, the residue's, the residue is deeper. There's, there's subsequent years, over 100, 150 years of, like you say, Jim Crow, but just subsugation, subsugation uh, marginalized disenfranchisement yeah that is systematic and structural but if you think about it if you came right off a slave ship you're not allowed to speak your language anymore and every time you spoke your language you were beaten do you think you'd want to say you are that thing 
Yeah, the same thing that happened right? in Brazil. Yeah, but, but I'm saying... They were Portuguese day one. Yes, yeah, yes. But the slave trade... I'm not saying that the things weren't as brutal or things weren't as intense in those spaces. But if you were going to give an example of even allowing people to keep a drum or allowing certain... Type, you, you know what I'm saying? There's yes. things that... Shadow slavery was... There's, there's, there's something... You know what I'm saying? So it's like the identification with that in America specifically, even climate. Let's go back to that. The climate in North America is not like Africa. Yeah. Whereas Brazil the Caribbean, there's something about that land space, there's something that's similar, yeah. right? Like you're able to even grow. I've heard of the climate argument. Yeah. I mean, I've I've, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, there's yeah. something that's different, right? When I'm in LA versus when I'm in New York, there's something about being different. in LA that's a little bit more like, yeah. hmm, this feels, when I'm in Florida, I'm like, ooh, something feels right yeah. here. Like yeah. New York, the East Coast, and if you look at it, the slave trade in North America didn't, wasn't at like, California, it's like pretty much, it was almost non-existent, right? right? They didn't have the same laws, which right. I also learned that well, more it was recently. Mexico back then as well. <laughs> or the natives, right? And even right. then, it wasn't, they weren't really allowed to have slaves. Right. They had to hire, they had to adopt them. So they would adopt a little black girl, adopt a little native person, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? To say like, these are my children and as helpers. You've read Howard Zinn, huh? A People's no. History? Um, no, I didn't read that one. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll put you on that yeah, after. Yeah, put me on it. Which you're, you're actually saying the book, though. No, oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're very knowledgeable about what happened. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the communities there, right? It's not the same. You don't have the same population of black people. You don't have right. this, like, it's just different. Yeah. Let me segue. Knowing all what you know globally, globally. as a global traveler, as an influencer, mm -hmm. empowering women, mm -hmm. but knowing all of what you know, how do you enjoy life? How do I enjoy life? Yeah. Well, I always say that being a carefree black woman is a statement um, in itself, right? Because it's like all the oppression that you have as a woman, being black, all these different things. It's like, yeah. am I gonna just curl up and die in a ball? Am I gonna just not live? Am I not gonna just enter rooms despite the fact that people are gonna stare at me or think different things? I have to just live. I have to live and I have to live with, with confidence and, and own that, right? So it's like, that's, that's really how I enjoy my life. It's to say like, I've been put here for a reason all this other stuff yeah. it's happening but I still have more power than it yeah. and I know that when I ch changed the way that I saw myself the world saw me differently yeah. right like growing up you always hear guys like oh I don't talk to dark skin girls and I don't blah 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 and I wasn't this and that all that kind of stuff but it was like the second I was like nah girl you bomb you bomb it was like other people start seeing you that way and you start to like attract just a different type of thing don't get me wrong i'm still you know you still deal with white people and their ignorance and like all kinds of stuff happening but it really you walk differently yeah. when you kind of just decide for yourself that like this is what i am i'm gonna own this i'm gonna keep um feeding myself in that because i think it's like bathing you got to do it every day you got to you know, keep fortunately for you up, right? fortunately for you and correct me if i'm wrong somewhere along the line probably since you were a little girl your father, your your heritage, your family, told you you're the shit. Um, you know, you're you know you're what's funny? you're somebody you're somebody special. Not, I mean, or, or or how did you get this? I think I think what happened was like growing up, like def I definitely struggled with like image issues. Oh, I struggled okay. with um I was like really really chubby growing up, and I was I'm dark skin. My mom's light skin. All my siblings were light. Okay. So I was always the only dark person, and then being the only black kid in my class. All that stuff. My name like. All these things, and then being always in these white spaces. So I was very, very, very insecure. My body type, everything. Like really? the teacher in like grade four was like talking about body types. Like okay, and then we have Makiba, who's more on the, who's a big, uh, big frame. Who's a, like you literally are sitting here 
and, and singling me out in class and talking about frames and husky and body and I was like like so stuff like that happened a, happened a lot um, my mom would always be like oh it's okay don't worry you'll love your bum when you're older it looks good in jeans I had no idea what that meant <laughs> um, she would be like you're pretty you're pretty but I'm like you're my mom of course you're saying that so you have to say that um, but it's weird that I actually felt like I had to make like a conscious like sink or swim decision when did it click though I'd probably say when I was like in my probably around like grade 8 8th grade at like 13 14 ish mark there was a rapper named Trina okay yeah. fat back sister that came out uh -huh. she was like, shout out to Trina shout okay this Trina, is like because yeah. like she was a little bit darker than most performers at the time looking back at pictures now I'm like oh she wasn't that dark but at the time it's like she was a little darker she was a little thicker and she was just like I'm the baddest bit like she just came out like owning it all and she had little neck rolls kind of and I had the neck rolls and I was like Okay. You know what? I, I didn't notice that. I know, but those yeah. are things that like people would say things about. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I've seen her little, like she had like this little, like this little chubby, like, and I was like, I'm identified with it. I'm glad I didn't go all the way with like being like, ah, right, 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 but right. it gave me this sense of like, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I'm owning this, and so it kind of started there. Um, it also, it also church did help for me. Like they had, I had like a really good like. Um, really good youth leaders at the time and they were like they would always be like you're, you're, you know you're meant to be at the head and not at the tail my church was very prosperity based um, so they would also do that like they were always telling you you're made to be at the head and not at the tail you know you, you, you're, you're made for greatness you're all those things so after a while you start to kind of say like yeah you know what and I, and I got tired of not loving myself like I literally was like I'm, I'm tired like I have to choose something yeah do I just want to keep feeling like this or do I want to try like people are saying this like you're saying I'm meant to be at the head and not the tail maybe if I t tell myself that in the mirror maybe if I whatever like I'm a really firm believer in affirmations did it confuse you when so you said eighth grade right eighth grade was probably I think that you was the start of the shift because I'm, I'm thinking about the uh, age you were right so yeah. did it confuse you going into puberty when guys start to look at you or did it go well hold on I, i'm the you know because you got you got hip-hop you got trina yeah, right yeah right and movies of course too mm -hmm, there's tons mm -hmm. of movies players club you know all yeah, that stuff yeah, so yeah. shapely yeah, girls yeah, yeah did it confuse you as you got older like why am i getting all this attention i think i think because it wasn't like it didn't feel like it was like ah all this attention right away okay. like it was also i also think sometimes i felt like it was boys being boys Okay. Right, like the wood, you know, they run stop the girls out. They were doing that stu stuff at our school too, right? So I was kind of just like thinking, like, oh god, this is just like, and that's probably where like coming being in like a patriarchal society or a misogynistic community where you're almost like that's just what boys do, that's what they do you know yeah. what I mean? So I didn't really like, I didn't put too much, I think, emphasis on that part of it. Um, I really was just more focused on just like feeling certain things for myself at that stage and that's where like the internal yeah. thing came in and the whole like putting myself on a pedestal so even with guys like I was always called, called like oh you're stush you're stush you're stush or you're you're challenging or you're whatever because I wasn't like ooh all this attention hi what are you doing okay. I kind of right. started yeah. I was like no I have to put myself on a pedestal and separate myself and not like not just let everyone you know like have a chance or anything like that so I don't know I, I don't feel like it was there was necessarily confusion I just I just felt myself having to make choices okay like really actually being like you need to make choices what do you want to do how do you want to be and how do I kind of start getting there moving for further fashion mm -hmm. 
So you went from there to beauty, fashion. Yeah. It just morphed. That segue? So yeah, for me, I was always into doing way. hair. Like I always loved, loved, loved doing hair. Like whether for my dolls to doing my own. And um, what happened was like. So I started doing it as a hustle, right? It was like, okay, I'm gonna braid hair in the stairwell, I'm gonna do whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, the more I was doing it for other people, especially like women, like you see the way they feel after you're done and they're like, yo. People come in like with this body language and they leave like this. They're like, okay, see you next time. Like they feel so empowered. And like, that's like addictive. Like you're like, yo, I can make people feel like that. So it's like, and within our community, hair, like your style is like your therapist. So it's like, you literally feel like you are reaching so many lives. Um, just from doing that. So I was in university and I was like, you know what? I want to do this like full time. I went and got my license and, and everything. And I like became um, a professional hairstylist. And then I started creating women's content after that because of the conversations that you're constantly having yes. in the chair. Talking about, girl, what do you eat? How do you do this? How do I do that? How do I get my hair like this? Da, da, da. I love educating my clients. So it's like, what if I created a platform that was now global that anybody anywhere could access this information kind of thing. So that's kind of how all those things sort of work. How do you start meeting people to kind of put you into a uh, mainstream kind of, yeah. listen, you talk to McKay because she's really good at what she does and... Because I'm literally just doing the work yeah. and people finding it and just putting myself out there. So whether that's like posting on YouTube, social media, whatever, just literally the word of mouth is so powerful. And I really think once you do good work, like you'll always... The product too. Product, yeah, like it's going to come. It's going to come, so... Wow. Are you surprised that it's brought you to different places in the world? And like, oh, yeah. When I get you e something emails. as simple as making another woman feel good. Yeah, yeah. Like you said in the stairwell, from there to yeah. now a global stylist and person that does things on magazines and for movies and film shoots and stuff kind of like that. Yeah, like. Did you ever see that happening? I don't. I don't. I think I saw the. I always knew I wanted to not just be the mundane day-to-day, -day, I'm just a hairstylist, cut, 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 go. Like, I knew that, like, the community aspect of it was really important. But when the, like, the bigger things came, like, I used to see, I used to see magazines, or I used to see things and be like, I want to do that one day. I want that. You know, you don't always know how, especially when you grow up in certain communities. There's no mentors and paths that are laid out. Yeah. But I just always kind of felt like, you know what, just follow what feels good. Follow the passion, follow that, like, desire. And that's literally how those things have happened. Like everything, because I, I haven't had like this manager or somebody who's been like shopping me out and inserting me into these situations. Like everything that's happened at this point has been from other people yeah. just like finding me for things. So relationships. Like, yeah, relationships and just kind of putting it out there. But. That's fantastic. Yeah, relationships is a strong word because, yeah, you seems like a very confident person. Yeah. Even after all the. I just gonna say traumatically. You did mention the word trauma a couple times, but I don't even see it as just that. I feel like just like um, experiential things. Like you know, you've been through a lot, and just just, just to come out the other side and just, with this strength, with this confidence, with this yeah. with this like unabashed, this is me and this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And nobody's gonna stop that flow. Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. That's great. That's why I say it's a choice. And that's why I'm passionate about people dealing with their trauma. Because yeah. I think it's hard to make those choices if you don't know you have them. Right. You're just kind of like, you'll never really know that you can choose to be confident because everyone's telling you that you're not the shit. And even if they're not saying it, they're showing you in magazines. They're showing you in another, they're, you know what I mean? They're indirectly saying it. So that's why for me, like even with my platform, like women of color is my passion point. People are like, well, why women of color? Why you want to be so niche? I'm like, 
because that's my passion point. I know what that feels like right. to feel like you are shit, like you right. are not smart, like you are not any of these things. Yeah. Like I don't want, I don't want to keep seeing that. Right. We're we're some of our experiences, and yeah. that's what you know can drive somebody. You know, so when there's a lot of people who are therapists who dealt with trauma. One hundred percent. You know, of course, like in. Uh, what is it called when you're an AA, you're an alcohol, and you're a sponsor, right? Right. Because you're helping somebody get through what you got yeah. through. So you say, well, shoot, who's what, what who best, best person? Who best to know? Exactly. It. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a so, lot of understanding, like a true yeah. understanding. Yeah. Yeah, but I see your passion. Not that I'm any type of, <laughs> but I see your passion. In a lot of the conversation we had about the diaspora, about yeah. us, about so our trauma. Things. So many things. Yeah, uh, coming from a place of. It's like cathartic. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, this whole trying to be cathartic. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like sat here like, and, and I'm never quiet. You, you actually, I'm never quiet. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, yeah. It's okay. powerful, man. Okay, so you mentioned earlier about growing up as a chubby kid. Like, mm -hmm. I definitely don't see that or how that's ever ever been you. But I definitely, okay. insert picture. And no. now, right? <laughs> Before. And now, uh, I've seen your Instagram and there you are like working out and like pretty much being body goals like hashtag body goals like how did you go from that to that um yeah i didn't see the instagram i feel like um i didn't play sports when i was younger because i was insecure so i didn't know that like the fact that my legs were thicker maybe meant that i was fast it didn't i didn't know like all those things just meant strength yeah, yeah it's not that you were just this fat slob like no it's like i just i may have had power i had power me i didn't know and so i just didn't play sports i didn't even try you know those games they picking you last like yeah, you I'm fast. Fast. i may have been really fast yeah. because like when i got older and i was doing like this like clinic with like um this university we were just doing like drills and tactics he's like oh how much years of eligibility you have left i'm like yeah. oh because i never played like what do you mean <laughs> you see something in me like you know <laughs> that kind of feeling but i didn't know that i like so i never explored that whole like athletic side of myself but then it's like i got older i started um feeling like one i want to be the best version of myself so how do i do that okay i need to be physically active let's experiment with that let's try with that so yeah. for me and two it, it really helps with my mental health like just just working out and when you're insecure or feeling certain ways about your body, again, a choice comes. What do I do here? Do I just stay unhappy about this thing or do I do something about it? And wow. so it's like, okay, let me work out. While I'm working out, let me try to have the best body I can have for me. Not saying like, okay, I want this, that, and the other, but I'll, I'll never have that. Well, nowadays, I guess you can buy it, but <laughs> like without doing that, essentially, right. right? So that was where the fitness thing came in for me. It was like, it helps with my mental health. And it, it's like, yeah, again, like when you're, when you're just gonna complain about it, like what is like it does nothing for you. Yeah. It really doesn't. So just do something about it. And I'm not the person who's right. in the gym who's like, I love being here every day. Like, oh my god, I can do like no. I like I it is still a struggle. It's still a struggle. But it's like you never regret a workout. You never regret one. No. So just do it. Just do it. My thing was show up. Just show up. Yeah. Fifteen minutes. Even something will get done. Minutes, something will get done. Just something. And then that yeah. way like at least I build the habit. I still fall off. Sometimes I'm like, like even this trip, I haven't really been working out on this trip, right? right. But it's like, I get back home, it's like, nah, don't, just don't give up on yourself. Just keep going. Right. Just don't give up. And that's like, that's the only way I can really stay consistent at this, this Bring point. Bring a jump rope. Mm, yeah. yeah, I have my Simplest, simplest workout. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you motivate a lot of people though. 
I hope yeah. I hope I do, yeah. you know, I really do. And that's why like I like sharing and it's not and like we're talking about stunt, it's like I don't really like the idea of like I'm a stunting out here. Right, but right, like right. I like sharing my experiences because one of my biggest things and I'm you guys probably know this is like a lot of people want to wait till they're rich to do things. Yeah. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm no. Let me let me now. let me do now Live and now, still yeah. work on that at the same right. time. But like, yes. like oh, how do you afford to travel? How do you do that? It's like it's just again a choice, yeah. making it a priority. Saying I don't need red bottom shoes, I don't need right. designer clothes, yeah. I don't need all this stuff. But I'd rather travel. Yeah. I'd rather have experiences than to spend money on like that bag. Yeah, in many respects, we're already rich. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, if you have health and peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, how many rich, how many wealthy, as far as money, people we know. That are batshit crazy, no, right? True. Unhappy. I've tried to channel, you know, being not being money motivated, and trying to think about health, like legacy, longevity, yeah. uh, what I'm gonna leave people. Someone saying my name before I, you know, when I die. Mm -hmm. um, someone saying that I changed their life. My eulogy. What are they gonna say? You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. those things are so much more important, you know. And the things that you <clears throat> talk about mm -hmm. this whole interview. There's gonna be people talking about you for years to come. You know what I mean? I, I, I take I, that prophecy. I, I, I guarantee <laughs> you. Yeah, I guarantee wow. you that you are loving on and speaking into people mm. just in what you call work. Mm. But it's almost like a ministry. Oh wow! You know, there's gonna be people saying things about you. Really? That's, that's, that's heavy. Deep. Wow. That's super deep. Yeah. No, I, I take that. I that's the reason it. why Thank I live. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm playing it simple about like I didn't see this coming at all. No. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of figured we we're gonna talk about a bit of like hair and cute stuff and styling. Um, I literally think it's just a wow. medium. And wow, life. like yeah, I didn't, I didn't see this coming at all. I do have a question about mm -hmm. about your profession, mm -hmm. ministry, right? Yeah. Um. Name some people, some notables, influencers that you've worked with. Influencers that I've worked with? Like, I've, in, influencer world, there's like Maya, Shameless Maya, um, Shannon Boudreaux, um, but then there's like celebrity, like Winnie Harlow is one yes. of my clients that made like a lot of her wigs. I was the one who got her to wear wigs, so her hair being protected and... Winnie Harlow wears wigs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so, yeah, but I've worked with like Nike, Harper's Bazaar, Swarovski, Dove, a lot of, a lot of big brands, a lot of right. big brands, yeah. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. That's it's deep. Been cool. I mean, that's, you're very accomplished. Thank you. I feel like I have a long way to go, but yeah. I'm definitely happy about the way my life has been going. You would do a lot in this region. Sure. Listen, let me tell you, this trip, I'm like, did I just come to Dubai for Yes, you do. Ladies, for a year, does she need to come for a year? Yes, you do. Tell me, I'll come for a yes, year. Yes, you do. Or six look, months, maybe. Definitely a market. Yeah. The, 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 the thing they say is look east. Mm. Look east, everything is moving this side anyway. Mm. Yeah, and the smart money. Smart yeah. money. That is so important what you just said. The, the smart, smart money. money. The smart money. And all I can do is big Africa because it's not just in me it, it like this is business why do you think yeah. china's in africa that's what that's what i'm saying it's like we're the that's only ones business. that don't want to go back to invest because right. they're that's like guys right. they see the opportunities right so so the smart money is going to be like yo this is not spot heritage or where i'm from yeah. this is this is business and it's like we're the only ones missing whatever out on this you're business doing, akon, <laughs> akon said this he's like whatever you do 
you can do it better in Africa. Yeah. Yes. The only place in the world right now that people look like you and me mm -hmm. can make a Fortune 500 company in, in about like five years. years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I've seen it personally. Yeah. Friends that we know are, that are killing it right now. Like, I'm working on multi-million dollar ideas right now in Africa. Sure is. I can't wait to be about it. Mm -hmm. Little brothers, we're going to be over there. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No, I mean, I love that there's a wave. I love that we're connecting. You know, like this is more than a trend. Like this is right. this is an awakening. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest things is how we have to look at it. It's like it's an awakening, not a trend. Let's collectively move together and like move fast. You know, because I think for some people, like, oh, it's cool to be African now, but it wasn't. Because like when I have my name, right? People would be like, "Ooh, what are you, African?" Like they would always say it in a very degrading, negative way. Yeah. Negative way. So even though I didn't grow up with even parents, our own people, yeah. Oh, that's who said it. Especially. That's who said it, right? It's our own people who'd be like, "Ew, are you African?" So I grew up feeling like super black. Yeah. What? It's always something negative about that, right? Being that dark. So that's that. So I grew up feeling exactly how a lot of people who grew up who were either born in Africa or African parents yeah. felt because I'm like yo it wasn't cool Personally. everyone was made me I was in that boat right with y'all because no one like everyone heard my name and be like Ugh. Yeah. you know so there's an awakening happening this conversation happening right now the fact that it's even happened today yeah is that amazing it's so amazing yeah. and that's what it's been for the last like little like while I just feel like I've made some choices in the last like six months that have just like like I said after changed the trajectory of my life and like mm -hmm. this keeps happening yeah no, so it's no. gonna be massive. Yeah, this <laughs> this here is a moment, it and is. because we're in it, you know. Remember, uh, Maya Angelou said, "I'm the hopes and the dreams Ooh. of the slave." Right? Ooh. Right? Evoking, evoking Mama Maya. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. Yes. Preach. And, and the reason why I say that is because almost every day, and it used to be every day, but almost every day, Still I, think, I rise. Yes. Still I rise. And, well, I'll, I'll give you the whole last two bars giving the gifts that my ancestors yeah. gave mm -hmm. I am the hopes and the dreams of the yeah. slave yeah. if you think about us or you think about Barack or you think about anybody you mm -hmm. think about Chantel Riley right mm -hmm. on Broadway mm -hmm. wasn't allowed on Broadway years ago yeah. right really? but if you think about the except slave for, except for like the dude shucking and driving yeah, well, no, yeah, those, yeah. some of those guys were white and with black white, black face. Face. Yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. but if you go way back to 17 whatever or 16 whatever 1619 right you go back they couldn't fathom you yeah. or us yeah they couldn't fathom this that's what they say we're ancestors wildest dreams wildest right? dreams i also think we're a Definitely. secret weapon Ooh. i say we're a secret weapon because say more about that we work right here as cattle they're like we're gonna build and they're gonna die off there's no way those people are gonna survive right meanwhile back at the ranch us of the african diaspora we came and learned their ways we came and went to their school, like all this stuff. So it's like now, if we just connect, we're a secret weapon. You didn't realize what you just did. Yeah. Because we kept, no matter what, we kept coming against the odds, right? Yeah. Still being educated, still ha being millionaires, still building, still doing all this stuff. Yeah. And now when we take that stuff back, it's a wrap. We're yeah. a secret weapon, they didn't know. That's all that we're missing, when we take it back. Each other, we're missing each other. We are the missing link in each other's progress. Yeah. Like. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So brilliant talking to you and having you on Global Brothers Podcast. Amazing. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much me. for your insight. Yes. Um, it is a breath of fresh air. It is. Thanks. A breath Thanks. of fresh air. I'm definitely one. enlightened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like I like hearing things like that come out of other people's mouths. I mean, we talk yeah. a lot, we hear it on TV, but we just want 
so many more people you think the to the think that way. Everyone else is like, no. Oh, you guys always think, yeah. It's kind of like other universes, like, yeah. Things get over here on the plantation. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, leave the plantation. Come join us. Right. I hear you. Well, their ice isn't colder than ours, and we got to stop thinking that. Yeah. They, their, their ice is so much colder. You know. Um. Ice, ice. Even <laughs> that topic of the whole immigration thing going on right now. You know what? That's that, a whole, that's another. That's a whole another joy. Ooh, because that whole immigration situation in general, when it comes to white people, really upsets me. Y'all yeah. went everywhere as illegal aliens, exactly. as terrorists, actually. Terrorists. And then Conquerors. said, by the way, we created passports and papers and documents. So McCabe, we've had so much fun having you here on Global Brothers Thank Podcast. You. Thank your you for having me. Been a present. Yes. We've learned so much and been enlightened by your spirit. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. You blew us away. <laughs> completely blew us away. Thank you, guys. <laughs> and like we always say, live global and prosper. Amen. 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 Mr. Worldwide. Hey, little known fact. Found out the other day, I was in a random bank in Mall of Emirates, and I met a guy named Brother. I'm like looking at him I'm like, what's up, man? What's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Da-da-da. Uh, I'm like, let me guess, Kofi, right? He's like, oh, uh, Ben or something like that, yeah, which means he was born on such and such a day. Mm. And he's like, and then he thought that I said my name was Kofi, because I said, let me guess, it's Kofi. So he's like, oh, <laughs> hey, Kofi. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So he's like, so Friday, huh? The connection. Like, <laughs> You're like, oh. Uh, okay, so I went along with it for a while, then he kept calling me Kofi. Alright, right, I guess my name's Kofi. Did you look up what day of the week you were born? So then I called my mom, I'm like, Mom, what day of the week was I born? I never even thought about it. See? Yeah. That's so crazy about having that mentality. We don't even think about the depth of what a name can mean. Or yeah. the time, and, and, or the anything. Like, and, and, and in Africa, that's such a special Your name is so important. Yes. I so I figured it. I was born on Saturday. My Ghanaian name is Kwame. Mm. Oh. Wow. So, I gotta check and see where I was born, what day I was born. Oh. That'd be, that'd be now. Oh, like, wow. Wow.